Welcome into another episode of Word on the Street. I'm Tony Lombardi. This episode will be a special one during which we'll honor a very special man. As many of you know, I'm a graduate of Archbishop Curley, and this past weekend, the Curley Brotherhood lost a cornerstone, a legend in the school's history, Dan Papra, who joined the Curley faculty in 1974, and after 38 years of service to the school, Dan retired in 2012. He was a business teacher, varsity basketball coach from 1974 to 1999, and a great Curley ambassador. In 1996, he was Curley's Teacher of the Year and a member of the school's Athletic Hall of Fame. Tragically, we lost Coach Popper this past weekend, stemming from complications following surgery. Dan has an insatiable passion for sports, was a huge Ravens fan, and just an all-around terrific guy. He is survived by his wife, Kate, and daughters, Beth and Karen, an awesome family, a host of great friends, and of course, hundreds of students upon which he left an indelible mark. During the Baltimore Catholic League Championship game this past weekend, after the news of Dan's passing spread, officials issued the following statement. The Baltimore Catholics League lost one of its legends last night with the passing of former Archbishop Curley head coach, Dan Popra. Dan was a tremendous ambassador for the Baltimore Catholic League, and he was a constant presence at our games and a valued person at every tournament after his coaching retirement. He was loved by his players, respected by his peers, and he was a friend to so many people in the Baltimore prep basketball community. He was previously announced to be part of our 2023 BCL Hall of Fame class, and we honor him at that event. Our prayers and condolences go out to his wife, Kate, his family, and many friends. He will be missed. So joining me today on Word on the Street are Curly Hall of Famer, uh, to discuss the Curly Hall of Famer and Hall of Fame man, are three of my closest friends, all of whom played for Dan at Curly, Bob Dylan, Bob Jones, and Mario Shilpoti. Guys, welcome into Word on the Street. Thanks, Tony. Hey, Tony, thanks. Hello there, Tony. So whenever you'd see Dan, he wore that big Cheshire Cat grand like he <laughs> knew something that he didn't, <laughs> that you didn't, and he was always inquisitive and upbeat. And he certainly had a sense of humor. And I'll start with you, Bob Dylan. Let's talk about a funny story, if you could, during your time spent with Dan. Well, I know Bob Jones talked about it last night. Um, I don't know how funny it is. It was probably funny to him. But um, we were at St. Joe back in 1977, and we got our butts kicked on a Friday night. And um, he decided to tell us that we were going to have practice 8 a.m. Saturday morning. Um, so... We did. We show up and we do our normal three hour practice. And, you know, he runs us at the end like it's the end of practice. And we go into the uh, into the locker room. And he comes walking in and throws a bag of oranges at us and says, be out here in a half hour. <laughs> well, we we're like, what? So I remember <laughs> talking to the, ca the captains. I'm like, Greg and how? you guys got to do something here. We're not going back out there. Well, they didn't do anything. We went back out there for another couple hours. Um, so I'm sure he was laughing, but we weren't. We ran another practice. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, we had a dance that night. And I can remember getting out of the car um, <laughs> on the way home and getting cramps in all my legs, on both my legs. I'm like, what? <laughs> so um, we went to the dance, but it was... It was Dan, right? He was, we lost to St. Joe, which is his alma mater, and he was not happy. And um, 
we paid for it. So how did you guys do the next game? I think we lost. <laughs> <laughs> you were probably but it wasn't by that blood. many. We weren't getting. We didn't get blown out. Yep, and it was in St. Joe. So Bob Jones, talk about a funny story that you can recall. Well, I mean, Dan, I didn't have Dan as a teacher, so I only had him as a basketball coach. But he was very intense, and he pushed you, you know, to get as much out of you as, you know, he could. And, and, and talking with Bob yesterday, I can remember so many times coming in at halftime and that chalkboard being there, and he would just keep banging on that chalkboard and the chalk would be flying all over the place. I mean, and it's, you know, we're, you know, we're getting beat, but it's hard sitting there <clears throat> watching him and the chalk just going all over the place and not being able to laugh. It's like, like, oh, man, I'm, I better be serious here, you know. And you know like, that vein, but, this is Mario, you know that vein in his head would always pop out when he started yelling at you. <laughs> and the thing of it is, I mean, you know, when we were back in high school, you know, Mario's, a, you know, what, 75, we're 78. Um, you know, Dan, Dan's not that much older than us. But back then, you know, he, it was, you know, he was in his early 30s. So, you know, I mean... It's different now when we look back, but back then, you know, you, you know, you're, you know, he's 14, 16 years older than us. You know, you respect your elders and stuff like that. But, you know, now I just look back and think, man, that was so funny back then. I mean, but I don't know if I would have laughed if he would have threw the chalk at me, but I'm sure uh, it, it wouldn't have went over well. Whew. Well, you know, when you think about that, to your point, Bob, that he's, He's what, 12, 14 years older, and he's a man, and we're kids. And so yes. and he yes. had a swagger about him. You know, he had this presence, and like you said, he was stern. But we all know that as we grew up and got to know him a little bit better, that he was, you know, had a soft white underbelly and he was a great guy. But, you know, that's, that's the impression you have as a kid. And as a basketball coach banging chalk all over the place and throwing oranges at you, I can see where that could be intimidating. So Mary, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, we didn't have the biggest teams and stuff, but he got the most out of his players. Um, you know, when Bob and I played, um, you know, our our center was 6-3. And for us to make it to the Catholic League Championship our senior year was, uh, you know, a great task. And, and it was led by Dan. I mean, that that was that was it. I mean, you know, he got the best out of us. Yeah, when I think back upon that team and when I watch you guys a lot, it was – it was almost like Gary Williams, you know, what Gary would get a lot out of his teams. And, you know, when they won the national championship, what did they had Lonnie Baxter, kind of like your six foot three guy, what was Baxter six, seven. So it, it reminded me of that approach. And Dan was intense on the sidelines. So talk about that a little bit, you know, in terms of what he was like as you sat there in the middle of a game. Was he dialed in? Was he really emotional? Was he both or, or what was he? So this is Bob Dylan. Um, one, of, one of the things for me is that I got to play for him for three years. And then I coached with him for five years after college. So I got to see both sides of it. He was an intense man. He was always thinking. He was always um, trying to put us in the best position to win. And um, as you re remember, Tony, those games, those Friday night games that we had, our senior year were just intense. 
and it was so loud. And I can remember just looking at him and trying to read his lips because I couldn't hear him. Um, so he was dialed in. He was he was always trying to be one step ahead. And um, as Bob was saying, he put us in positions to win. Um, we had more defenses than anybody in the Catholic League. Because we were so small, he'd have to put us in three-two zones, three-two matchups, you know, various presses, box and one, triangle and two, you name it, we did it, and it depended on the opponent. And he would call it on the fly. And I'd be looking at him and like, okay, next, next defense. So he was there. He he was an intense man um, and very competitive. Mario, you have a unique perspective in that not only did you play for Dan your senior season, but he was also a colleague of yours on Curly's faculty. Talk about that a little bit. Yep, absolutely, Tony. So don't forget now, 1974, I was a senior. You know, I played basketball. I was not a basketball player. So there's a big distinction. You know, I sat on the bench for the most part, and I, I basically relieved Ronnie Holthouse whenever he got tired. So coming coming into the basketball season senior year, it was interesting because Dan, like you said, he's very intense. And I, I kind of applaud that because I had Al Frank and, and everybody, you know, Bobby Jones, Tony Lombardi, you had Al Frank. So you knew fundamentals inside and out baseball. Dan was like that as well. And he got very intense in practices. And, and so when I would sit on the bench, I would just see Dan in that crouch, you know, and he'd look at the bench and look at the <laughs> court, look at you, look at, the, you know, he wasn't like Gary Williams where he'd come up to you and start screaming because somebody else was doing something wrong. But you could tell, you know, the, the bulging vein was, was out there because he was not happy. But, you know, and, and then just to segue into that, yes. Um, so in 19, I think it was 1980, I'm going to say 1981, I came back as a faculty member. And so from 81 to 87, uh, we just had a great time uh, in the faculty lounge, uh, busting everybody's chops from the games or the, or the season uh, playing Ganaska football with Al Frank and Patriot Hoffman and, and all the rest of the guys. But, you know, he, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, you know, I, I, he started the accounting program at, at Archbishop Curley. Uh, and, you know, there are so many account professionals out there that probably could say, you know, uh, I took that accounting program with Dan and that's the reason why I'm successful. And that's the reason I'm an accountant. But, you know, he put his time in, not only in the classroom, but in the gym, in the weight room. Uh, remember the old, I can't remember the <laughs> nautical, nautical equipment. I don't know what it was back in that room, but he had his basketball players in there pumping iron every day. He had a schedule of running so that when you got to practice and, and the game, you were ready. So, yeah, great man. Now, I mentioned during the introduction that Coach Pops had the Cheshire Cat grin. Now, and when I close my eyes and I think of him, that's what I see. What about you guys? What's the first thing that pops in your mind, and no pun intended, when you think of Coach Pop? And Mario, let's stay with you. First thing I notice is that that sport coat that he always wore. It was the <laughs> 1970s, and he sported that speckled cross hair, whatever you want to call it, sport coat everywhere. And then we, you know, back in the seventies, we wore bow ties. So, 
you know, it was always on. He was always wearing it in, in class. He'd always wear it during the season. But, you know, underneath it all, he was just a puppy dog. I mean, you thought he would, like, you, like I think Bobby mentioned, you know, he was, what, 30 when we were 19, 16, 17. We thought he was, you know, such a such an older person. But, you know, he just had this, this side of him, you know, that he dedicated his whole life to Curly. I mean, you know, let's face it. I mean, a lot of those guys dedicate their entire life to Curly, to the family, and uh, he was one of them. So every time that I would close my eyes and see Dan, I would see that, like you said, that grin tone, but also the, the, the jacket and just, you know, just always having fun and embellishing every moment that he had when you were around him. I can even remember, because I walked to school from the Parkside Drive area to Curly, and I would, I'd see him up ahead of me. Just, I mean, he had a quick pace to his walk on to school. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> With that that, uh, that sport jacket that you referred to. So, so, so Bob Jones, what do you think of when you think of Coach Pop? Well, that that sport coat. I mean, you know, we were three three years after Mario. Um, you know, and he still had that sport coat. You know, three years after that. So we saw that coat on Friday nights and everything else. But I'll remember Dan as a very uh, compassionate guy, um, a very nice friend. I mean, I, you know, I, I could always remember, you know, he's a guy that, you know, if you didn't see him for two or three months and you'd run into him, you, it didn't take long to catch up. I mean, like when, when I see him at homecoming, um, for the Hall of Fame events and stuff like that, you know, I'd be like, what's up, Mr. Dan? He'd like, you know, say, Bobby, you know, and and he'd have that smile on his face and stuff. And, you know, it, it didn't take long just to keep on talking. But, um, you know, he loved and he was devoted to his um, his basketball players. And, and, you know, I remember the time when um, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame in the 20, uh, 20 year. It was COVID. And they didn't have the dinner. They didn't even have the event. Um, they um, had the 2020 and the 2021s come in at the same time. And it still was a COVID issue. And, um, you know, they were only allowing the uh, family of the um, inductees to come to the banquet. And I remember talking to Mr. Dan after we were um, the inductees were introduced at the uh, football game. And he goes, you know, I got three basketball players. You know, it was uh, it was myself. It was um, Jay Pasco and I think Brian, Brian Hubbard. And he goes, you know, these guys played for me. These are my kids. I'm going to get in there somehow, even if Barry doesn't let me in, I'm going to get in there. And, and and that's the kind of guy he was. I mean, he was he was very devoted to the, you know, to the players that played. I mean, you know, he was, he was a great guy. I mean, I'll remember him as a, um, as a good friend, you know, great coach, but you know, a very good friend. Bob Dylan. Yeah. So he was a, he was a compassionate man. Um, and he shared his time and his knowledge with everyone. I saw him really as a teacher first. Um, you know, he would, he didn't want to give you an answer to a problem. He he encouraged you to think about the problem and how you could solve the problem. And that's just a life lesson, um, at least for me. And I think for most people that 
that were around him. Um, he was just this, you know, just this fiery competitive coach and it rubbed off on everyone um, that, you know, played for him. And like Bob said, he, it wasn't, if it didn't matter if you were a basketball player or not, he, he loved his students. I mean, he was, he was very um, compassionate about accounting and business. And I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but Dan was an accountant at McCormick prior to coming to Curley. And he was what, 30 years old, 31 years old. He, and the story is that he went to Kathy and said, look, I, I don't like sitting in an office. I can't do this anymore. And she's like, okay, what? He goes, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a job at teaching. <laughs> he interviews in Curley. He is in Curley. <laughs> And um, <laughs> you know he goes from probably twenty five grand down to eight thousand dollars, right? <laughs> Salary. She's probably looking at him like, "What are you doing?" Uh, but you know that was that was him. You know he needed to be around people, and and he found his niche being at Curly. Um, the influence he had on so many Curly men is just overwhelming. Um, but I also remember his colorful plaid jackets. Um, and he was a really big man in a small Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a cheap, it was a cheap version. Come on, you know, Dan. Yeah. Uh, well, Dan, Dan was very economical, you know, that eight thousand dollar salary he had to be, right? Um, but um, you know, I remember just his competitive spirit in anything. He would challenge us in basketball two on one full court. And he would outrun us. It, it, you know, he was just, he was just, uh, you know, that kind of guy. Um, and one of the things that I do remember is that he would go out of his way to pick me up on Saturday mornings and play basketball with his friends in Canton. Um, only because he knew it would make me better playing against bigger, stronger men. And it was just, he wanted to help everyone. Um, and it's it's you know it's it's a sad day that he he has to go. He's one of the good ones. You know, funny story. I'm sorry, Mayor. No, I'm sorry, Tony. I was going to uh, just a funny funny story about Dan. You know, his first year. Again, I don't know if you know this, but I'm sure some of you do. He used to play. He was a pitcher at Loyola College. So when he when he came to uh, Curley in '74 after the basketball season, Al Frank. Uh, the baseball coach obviously knew that he, he played baseball. So he said, Hey, uh, Dan, why don't you come out and pitch some batting practice to the team? So Dan being the competitive guy that he is and not having pitched in, I don't know how many years decides, yeah, what the heck I'll, I'll, t I'll pitch batting practice to the team. Well, you know, Al, he, he, he let him on that mound for an hour pitching batting practice <laughs> to us. And, you know, Dan, being the competitive guy that he was, wouldn't look to Al and say, hey, Al, you know, I'm tired. I, I can't I can't do this anymore. Well, next day you see uh, Dan, you know, in the hallway and his arm is almost down to the ground because he couldn't pick up his arm from throwing so many baseballs, you know, for batting <laughs> practice. So I just got that as a chuckle because of, you know, Dan's competitive nature. He, he just didn't want to back down from a challenge. You know, some of you guys, or all of you guys know this, that the description or label of coach, it's a term of endearment for those who coach. And it's 
it's a label and a moniker that, you know, the people that are coaches just embrace it. And Dan certainly did that. And it kind of speaks to some of the things you guys were just talking about in that, you know, you make personal sacrifices in your life because you're following a passion that maybe doesn't provide as much on the table, but it certainly provides other intrinsic value. And it reminded me of this saying, and I'll share it now because it kind of segues into the next couple of questions I wanted to ask you guys. The saying goes a hundred years from now, it will not matter what kind of car I drove, what kind of house I lived in, how much money I had in the bank, but the world may be a better place because I made a difference in the life of a child. And I think all four of us here today know that Dan made a difference in our lives, but can you speak to that a little bit more specifically? And I'll start with Mario. You know, so I was a coach, you know, and, and I, I think everybody here has in some way coached uh, someone, you know, a team, your sons, your daughters. And what you always try to do is emulate the, your predecessor. And so I took a lot of things from Dan uh, that he instilled in us. One, discipline, you know, uh, doing it right all the time. And so for me, you know, when I was playing for him, uh, the drills, uh, the constant drilling, the dribbling, the boxing out, any attributes necessary to become a more uh, effective basketball player uh, was instilled in us. And, and that carried it over when I played baseball for Al Frank. And certainly when I coached at Curley, as well as John Carroll, those fundamental skills uh, were essential for any coach. But also, as you said, Tone, uh, a coach is a mentor as well. And so what I was able to, to glean from, from the definition if you will, is that you are a mentor. You are, you know, the people that those players look up to. So you have to emulate a, a, a stature as well as just a demeanor uh, that those individuals that you coach will follow. And, and one of the things I will say is because of it, there are plenty of uh, my former soccer players uh, that, you know, have gone into the coaching uh, realm and certainly hope that they look back on, on how I influenced their lives uh, the same way Dan did and, and follow the same path. So, Yeah, it is sort of like a parental tree, if you will. And, and what goes from one, I won't say their generations, but you know what I'm saying, one level to the next. And, and it gets back to making a difference in the life of a child because that echoes in eternity and it, it just goes on for those who want to embrace the mentoring for those who want to embrace what's being taught to you, you pass that on. And it's, it's nice to hear these stories. So uh, Bob Jones, any similar stories that affected you? Oh, absolutely. And to follow up on what Mario said, I mean, you know, Mario and I have been blessed to, you know, play for, for two of the legends at Curly. I mean, Al Frank and, and Dan. And, and what we have walked away with as, as, a, uh, as a, uh, you know, a student of the game and just men is incredible. But getting back to Mario's situation where he was talking about coaching, um, you know, I've been fortunate with both my daughters. You know, one played college uh, softball 
And the other is now I coached her in basketball. She is now coaching fifth grade girls. So, you know, it's a game that I loved and I taught my children, you know, the way Dan taught me. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, she will teach her girls, you know, the same way that I taught her and Dan taught me. I mean, it's just, you know, if you're taught the right way, things are done the right way. And and Dan was, Dan was like, a, you know, the, the thing with Dan, the smaller, like Mario said, boxing out, the little details he went over, he went over, you know, and, and, and when you, your team is not, I don't want to say athletic as other teams, but as big and as strong as other teams, you have to do the little things, you know, to, to get the, on the same playing level as they did and compete. And, and Dan had us doing it. And, and, you know, that's one thing I'll remember with Dan and and same thing with Al Frank. I mean, you went over the little things that won you games that kept you in the games. And, and, you know, and I just did the same thing, you know, teaching my children and, you know, and hopefully they'll teach, you know, their um, Taylor will be teaching her, you know, fifth grade girls, the same thing. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just incredible that uh, we lost him so, so young. I mean, it's, uh, it's sad. It's really sad. You know, he, he taught and coached with a lot of heart and passion. And I think that was reflected in the way that his players played, certainly your, your team. And it's a team that I, I tried to be on when I was a junior. I was, you know, they kept 12 players. I happened to be number 13. And I remember when Dan brought me into his office to tell me that I wasn't going to make the team. He, he seemed as sad as I was. Cause I, I think there were some other things at play that I, I won't get into those now, but it, it was it was one of those things where I felt like I outplayed that other guard because I would have been a guard. I, I felt I other outplayed him all throughout the camp. I didn't get that job, but Dan and I, I wanted to hate him for cutting me, but I couldn't because in his explanation to me, it was so heartfelt, and he almost it was like he felt bad delivering that news to me. And I'll never forget that. And it never really affected our relationship. In fact, if it did anything, it made me respect him even more because that's the kind of guy that he was. He was he was really a mentor to men. And he was a mentor for all the students at Curly. But, Bob, I, I know that you kept Bob Dylan, that you kept in regular contact with Dan. Even the day that he passed, the two of you were talking about the Baltimore Catholic League tournament. I believe that's, that's right. So. You've described him as a mentor to me. Share how he has affected your life and influenced you. Yeah, so like you said, I mean, we we were young men um, at Curley. And one of the things that I learned from him is that you need to put the time in and be a blue-collar worker at whatever you do. Work hard whatever you do in life and strive for excellence. Um, he taught me how to be a leader, which helped me obviously on the court, but also in my career. So one of the things that um, that he was to me was a real mentor. Um, he was he was like my third parent. Um, he helped me some, you know, through some tough times at Curly. Um, we all got in a little bit of trouble, um, 
but he advised me on my career choice, him being an accountant. Um, I took an accounting course and I liked it as both you and Bob know. Um, but Dan, um, he advised me to speak to, um, to um, former Curley graduates um, at accounting because I was going to go to Loyola College. Uh, it was Frank Savarese, actually. Um, and that put me on a career path, um, graduating from Loyola with an accounting degree and obtaining my CPA um, certificate. Um, you know, that, that is life-changing, right? You're, you're just a young person. You don't know what you're going to do. But I actually went into Loyola College as an accounting major, which is kind of odd because most people don't know what they want to do. Um, but it was his influence that helped me figure that out. And I can, one of the things that I always remember is, is, is he would always just tell you to work hard and don't give up. And I can tell you that the accounting courses at Loyola were very hard. And I can remember thinking, should I be in this or not? And I just didn't give up and it all worked out. Um, but you know, coaching with him uh, was a was another experience because I got to see, you know, how he dealt with the, the players. You know, I, I, you know, on the receiving end when we were his players, you know, you only saw kind of one side of it, him telling you what to do. But I was able to see how he he mentored other other players as well and other students. Um, you know, he always took the person who might have some problems and he would really try to help them turn things around. Um, when we were playing, we, you know, there were certain, certain players on our team that did not do well academically, but he worked with them. He helped them and they were able to graduate and they were able to be successful in life. And that story is probably so many people can probably tell that story, that his influence helped them and influenced their life in a positive way. Bob, Mario, anything to add? Well, you know, again, you know, we're talking about Dan. We're talking about his legacy. We're talking about how he influenced not only his players, but, you know, everybody around him. And, you know, it is a sad day. But, you know, you, you got to look at some of the, uh, the things, you know, the fun things, uh, funny things uh, that, you know, we were all part of. And I'll just share this little, you know, so we were baseball players, you know, Bobby Jones, myself were baseball players. And and it was that usually in February when the baseball team uh, would come into the gym and they would have pitchers and catchers and they bring out the mats and they bring out the dirt. And, you know, Al Frank would never clean up the floor. Uh, in the gym. And, and so Dan, every day after practice of what he was doing, uh, would have to mop up uh, the, the floor. Because again, you know, back, back in the day, you know, that's what you did as a coach, you, you did everything. And so he would just, you know, shake his head, you know, with that toothpick in his mouth, and he would just walk up and down the court, complaining about Al Frank and his baseball team uh, because they, they just wouldn't clean up the floor. So, you know, you got, you got to remember all those <laughs> funny 
stories about Dan, you know, as as a, a coach. But I, again, you know, I was fortunate enough to also have him as a colleague. I mean, I did have a stint as the athletic director and, and Dan was the assistant athletic director. So we spent many a day in that office, that small office that Tag used to have, you know, the two of us, two desks, you know, baseball equipment, basketball equipment, everything within that little room. But, uh, you know, we shared some 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 fun times uh and you know again a, a a story that maybe you don't know but every every month we would host a a poker game you know dan myself a couple of the other coaches and we would rotate our houses so we would spend uh, every every month or so you know playing poker until one two o'clock in the morning of course it was pennies and nickels but you know again it was an opportunity just to to hang out talk about you know east baltimore growing up in canton you know, I think his father, if you know, again, again, a, a short story here, his father used to be the organ player at uh, St. Casimir's, I believe. So, you know, he had his roots in, in Canton and, of course, you know, the Catholic church and school. So, again, all those things that we saw in him were instilled upon him when he was a young kid and it followed through to his adult life. So, you know, being married for 54 years. I mean, check that box. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Bob. All right. Oh, well, which one? <laughs> oh, it's you, Bob. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll just, you know, when we go to homecoming and stuff, I'll just I'll just miss running into him and talking to him. Hall of Fame, you know, the Hall of Fame. I was really looking forward to it too, and I'm sure he was too, being inducted. Um you know, into the Baltimore Catholic League. And it's sad because COVID, COVID, you know, basically pushed back, I guess, this current year, you know, with Bob and, and Mr. Dan, you know, being inducted and stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's it's sad that, uh, you know, we, we lost him right before, you know, he would have been inducted, uh, you know, into into the Baltimore Catholic League Hall of Fame. I'm surprised it took that long, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, well Mario. It, it, Mario, it, it is very unfortunate. I mean, he was yeah. he was all about the Catholic League, and absolutely. And and you know, he, you know, we were in contact about this. I mean, this was three years ago. You know, I got a call from him in February in 2020 saying, "Hey, you know, congratulations." You know. You know, you're you're you've been you know elected to get put in a hall of fame, and and he said, you know, and 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 I'm in too, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, right? We're gonna be going in together. I mean, it couldn't have been any better. I mean, you think about it, it was, you know, when Bob and I and Tony were freshmen, that was that was Dan's first year, uh, so you know, we were with him from the beginning, and um, you know, it's it's just. It's just a sad thing that this was delayed as it was, but um, we'll honor him there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, guys, thanks so much for joining me today to share your thoughts on Coach Dan Popper. You know, a mentor, a friend, a Hall of Famer in so many ways. And I know that I speak for you guys and hundreds upon hundreds of Curly Brothers by saying Coach Pop affected all of our lives in a positive way. It's really hard to believe that we're speaking of him in the past tense. It's really humbling. But I hope that all of his friends and especially his family can find comfort 
and the love they share with Dan and the many memories. So I'll close hey, by. Tom, Tom, can I say one last thing? Sure. So, yeah, as we all know, Dan and Kathy, they have two wonderful daughters, um, Beth and Karen. Right. But little did Kathy know that she would have thousands of sons from the Curly Brotherhood. <laughs> yeah. And those are so true. Yep. That is true. Family, the brotherhood is strong. So I want to close yep. by sharing this quote from Dr. Seuss. And I hope it provides some comfort to the family and to all his friends. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And we'll never forget his smile. I'm Tony Lombardi on behalf of my curly brothers, Bob Dylan, Bob Jones, Mario Shilpoti. As Coach Pop would say, this, comp this conversation about a great man was as easy as duck soup. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this very special episode of Word on the Street. <laughs>